Hey, this is Louis Grenier here and welcome to the Human Strike Back by Hotjar, a weekly podcast designed to help you succeed by putting people first. I have the pleasure to co-host this podcast with my fellow human and colleague, David Peralta. Each week, we're going to learn the stories of other humans who are making a difference and thriving by putting their users, customers, and team members first, so you can learn from them, take action, and grow. On to the podcast. Hey, it's Louis Grenier here, and today I am with Pep Leia, founder of Conversion Excel, one of the most popular conversion optimization blogs on the internet. CXL is also a successful agency, and in 2016, Pep and his team launched the CXL Institute to help teams improve their optimization, analytics, and UX skills. CXL Institute is doing extremely well today, having trained teams from Google, Cisco, and Zalando, but that wasn't always the case. In fact, in today's episode, Pep is going to share how the launch of the CXL Institute almost sank the entire company, left them with only 30 days worth of cash, and got him to the point where he was almost ready to pull the plug and let his whole team go. But he also shares how thanks to his people-first approach, Pep and his team were able to turn things around and start generating a profit. We talk about the exact steps Pep and his team took to understand the needs of their customers as the ship was going down, including the exact question they asked when their customer started and left the course, and how that led them to give away a key part of their course for free, how they broke down the limited data they had to better understand who was staying in the course, who was leaving and why, as well as the fundamental change they made to the course format that encouraged a positive change in their customers' behavior and led to an increase in attendance. So, if you're interested in hearing how one of the top minds in Sierra managed to rescue a sinking ship, you'll definitely want to listen to this episode. So, Pep, welcome aboard. Well, thank you for having me. Very kind to invite me. So, let's dig a little bit more into the situation that, uh, of the Conversion Excel Institute that was born around two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I started the company Conversion Excel, or now we call it CXL, uh, in 2011. And uh, it was just an agency. And we surveyed our email list people, asking them, why, uh, you know, what else would you want to buy if we were smart enough to buy it? And people said, courses. So about two years ago, I thought, hey, let us start a spin-off business, and we called it um, CXL Institute. And so in 2016, January, I hired a team to work uh, with me on this, uh, product people, researchers, and so on and so forth. And five months later, in May, the same year, uh, the product was launch ready. So we launched CXL Institute, the first iteration of it, which was a subscription product that cost uh, $65 a month. And it gave you access to a conversion optimization course. And also we were done doing weekly UX research studies. So you would also get access to those studies. Uh, We had a launch campaign, which basically was a bunch of emails and blog announcements. So we were marketing to our existing email list. But the launch was... Um, not didn't go as I had planned in my imagination. So we only made about twenty five thousand dollars in the first month 
which was not even enough to cover our cost. I think my costs, office, salaries, you know, everything else was about forty, fifty thousand dollars a month. So it's like, okay, so I had been losing money preparing for this launch and still losing money. But June will be better. But in June, we made even less money. In July, we made even less money. In August, even less. And in August, uh, sorry, September, we made just $10,000. And we had depleted the cash reserves. And so we had only enough money left for one month to pay salaries for the team. And um, so I was ready to pull the plug in 30 days and tell everybody, sorry, I have to let you go because I'm out of money. Yet the next month, we turned it around. We made $75,000 in revenue. So it means we turned a small profit and, uh, you know, we lived happily ever after. So let me ask you uh, some detailed questions because this is a, a very interesting snapshot. Um, how many email uh, subscribers did you have in your list when you uh, email people about uh, CXL? I think at the time we probably had around 50,000 or so. Okay. So 50,000 people on your list and 25,000, was it 25,000 in sales in the, when you launched the first 25,000 in revenue, yes. So, you know, 50,000 uh, email in the email list, open rate, I mean, I don't remember it by heart, but, uh, you know, maybe 25%, something like this. Uh, Click-through rate, probably, you know, even worse, like uh, much, much worse compared to open rate. So, I'm not sure how many people we actually had consuming the offer or the multiple emails that we sent, but uh, definitely the you know the the launch campaign could have been better as well. Um, so yeah, it didn't go go so well. So you had one month of cash reserve left, and you were about to pull the plug. What did you decide to do? Uh, so, it, of course, it wasn't that it, now that we are all out of money, now we start thinking maybe we should change something. We were thinking what to change all along because we knew the ship was sinking because every single month we had less and less money. Uh, so throughout these months of losing money, we were doing multiple things. We were uh, we were very frantic about customer development, meaning that Everybody who canceled, say it was a subscription product, everybody who canceled, we sent them an email, tried to get them on the phone asking, why did you cancel? What did you not like? How could we improve? Uh, also onboarding, when people joined, we, we call them up, say, hey, thank you for joining. What do you think? Uh, so we started to get qualitative feedback from people who are canceling, people who are using. Um, so that was one thing that we did. Another thing we did was we were doing a quantitative churn analysis. Essentially, everybody who canceled, and on average, people were canceling, you know, some after one month, some after two months, three months. You know, our history wasn't uh, huge, right, at, at that time. And so we wanted to see what's the difference between people who churned right away, maybe after one month, and who are still users. What's the difference between those two groups? And what we learned was that there was only one thing that we could see which was company size. Bigger companies stayed on as uh, subscribers, smaller companies churned. Um, and so our hypothesis based on that was that, uh, well, smaller companies just have less money to spend, uh, especially in education. Also in our interviews with the small company people, we learned that they are very tactics oriented. So they wanted something that I can implement right now and make money right now versus bigger companies thinking long-term, thinking strategy, 
because uh, they have the luxury in to think long term. Um, so one of the things we did was well, based on this information, we decided to change over after. We thought we are targeting small businesses, people who can't afford our agency. But actually, the target audience turned out is the same audience that uses our agency services. So companies, ideal customers, somebody who makes at least 10 million bucks uh, a year online. And agencies. Agencies is the one rare exception where small business that um, thinks long term, invests in education, you know, is used to paying for it. So that was one thing. Um, another thing we learned from our qualitative service uh, research was that some people just completed the CRO course, even though every single month we added new content. But some people were eager. They just completed. Oh, yes, I finished it. So why keep on paying? So, like, well, I don't, you have a point there. So what do we do then? And then it's like, well, I mean, we need other stuff for these people to buy. Uh, so we need more. Uh, we need more products to sell, essentially. Uh, so, and we started to think what those could be, could we do more courses and what those could be. Another thing we saw in the data was that a lot of people who were churning were actually not consuming the content. So while some people finished everything and that was good, that was not the case for most. Most bought the course, logged in and never logged back in again, or maybe they logged in twice. And then we learned that this is not just, at first we thought it's us. And then we learned this is the, the, the learning industry. It's the same problem for Udemy, Udacity, Coursera, edX, everybody. Like the people who invested all this money with Coursera and Udacity, I don't think they're ever getting their money back because the completion rates are horrible. It's like 10, 12% of people who enroll in a course. And, and, and then I thought, well, I've been running these conversion coaching programs for many years now. And high ticket, like $2,000. And these were very high engagement rates. So, and the only difference was that I was delivering the classes live. And then we thought, wow, why don't we add on another product that will be a live course, a live online session? It's kind of like, you know, webinar type of uh, situation. And I don't scale. So how about we recruit another uh, expert to teach this course. And so the, so we did. So the first, we added on a new product, which is another training, using a third-party trainer. And that made a huge difference. Uh, and ever since then, we've been, now we're producing two new live courses every single month because the format works. People learn better, we make money too. And then the completion rates for these live courses is, is, uh, is way, way higher. Well, so that's great delivery of the story. Uh, Let's break it down practically uh, for people, I guess, who are interested in, in doing the same in their own business and perhaps they struggle with the same struggles that you had when you started uh, the Institute. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to customer development because you said a few very interesting things. Um, so first of all, you did interviews and surveys. Right. How did you go with that? So uh, we agreed on a protocol that every single time somebody signs up, uh, that the... That we, we basically sent them a welcome email. Oh, thank you for joining. Uh, by the way, would you have time to hop on a you know 10-minute phone call with us? Most did not, but enough people did. So we started to get uh, people on uh, Skype calls and uh, you know uh, online meetings with us or, or just phone calls. And then we, we developed like an interview set of questions. And I, we had two people 
uh, basically as part of the daily routine, call up maybe 5, 10, 15 people a day. Okay. Uh, so that was one. The cancellation... So let me cut uh, you right people... there. Let me cut you right there because I think we need to dig a bit deeper again into this. So you had two people, part of their routine every day was to call those people. And um, mm -hmm. what is the rough amount of people uh, who agreed to be on a call with you um, from those emails? Do you remember? Uh, not very many. I would, I would say the less than 10% for sure. Okay. Uh, may, maybe 8% would be, you know, the right ballpark. So most people don't, uh, they, they did reply that, oh yeah, well, you know, thanks for the, you know, offer, but no thanks. You know, people are busy. They have their own lives, you know, it's okay. Uh, so we didn't let ourselves be discouraged by the low response rate. What questions did you ask them? Uh, we wanted to understand who they are, what made them sign up, which problem they are solving for themselves, how are they going to use this knowledge, basically really trying to understand who these people are, what are they trying to get out of it. And then we would also do a small um, walkthrough of the product, or, you know, look in here for this thing and look in here for that thing that you might need. Um, yeah, so it was mostly about f figuring out who they are and what they want and then informing our our product and you know one of the and that we coupled with actual analytics because we had analytics what are people doing inside our product uh, and like for instance I, I said that when we launched we also had weekly UX research studies and people were not consuming those based on analytics and when people were on onboarding calls they did not mention that they signed up because of the studies so we 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 killed it we, we stopped doing those studies. Uh, actually made them all free on our blog. Um, and that, that also basically helped us cut costs so we stopped producing content that nobody wanted. Well, at least they didn't want to pay for it. Which is a big difference. And and it helped uh, your top of the funnel, like your, your very top of the funnel, by making those this content available for anyone? Uh, sure. Those, those blog posts uh, on the, on the content on the blog, you know, performed on average a little bit better than you know, our average blog posts, not like, you know, hugely better, but also, I mean, the, I mean, I like those studies because nobody else does those. It's original content, great for attracting backlinks, but uh, most of all, it helps us, it helped us gain focus for our paid product development. Stop doing this, do more of this other thing. Uh, change the messaging on the website. Let's stop talking about the UX research studies and focus on the on the CRO aspect. Okay, so you did those interviews and surveys. Um, how did you uh, make sense out of them? What what is the typical process that you used for this one? So every every call was documented. We used Google spreadsheets, uh, and so during our weekly meetings, basically we just read through them uh, and. Uh, the, the, the amount of responses, it was not over. It's not like we had to read through thousands and thousands of responses. We were just getting started. So basically every week we maybe had, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 more, you know, so it was like manageable quantity. And uh, the, the things that people said started to repeat a lot. So you, you immediately started to see patterns. And then you did consolation uh, interviews and surveys. So that's different from the ones where you're actually onboarding them and asking questions about their intention. Exactly. So here, as soon as they canceled, we, uh, we sent them an email asking, you know, basically what made you cancel. Uh, even worse, 
uh, response rate uh, compared to onboarding. And then, but then we flipped something around. We flipped it around by when people are canceling, they couldn't just cancel. They had to choose cancellation reason in our, in our product itself. So before they could hit cancel, they had to choose, you know, uh, from five top reasons plus other where they could just write in the reason, um, you know, like, no, I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have, you know, X, Y, Z, a typical reason that we saw. And then that was a really good move because every single cancellation, we are seeing the reason why people are canceling. And you used the multiple uh, choice question. I mean, a single choice, but the questions, uh, the categories uh, that people could answer with in this cancellation survey were filled from cancellation interviews you did in the past. And you kind of had exactly. a, a rough idea of the reasons. Exactly, exactly. And so then we just wanted to a get more responses and b quantify what are the top reasons, um, you know, out of those. And so remind us if you had to pick uh, the the top three reasons why people were cancelling, what were they? Uh, number one, by far, I don't have time because when is learning a priority? You know, people have their to do lists, a million things in them. How often is learning? Like, do you have learning in your to -do, daily to-do list? Nope. Yeah. So most people don't. Uh, and that's, again, why live classes helps us combat that because now classes happen on a specific time, like Tuesday, 2 p.m. So people actually put it on their calendar. They make time for learning. Whereas self-study, ooh, difficult, very difficult. Uh, second reason was, uh, I don't, it's too expensive. We can't justify it. This is probably one of the toughest thing to do, isn't it? To change people's behavior, oh, to yeah. make them do something that they genuinely don't, don't do. So instead of maybe pushing people to do something that, you know, will never do what you've done is change what you were offering in order for them to change their behavior. Exactly. Change their mindset around what, what online learning is like, you know, because if I have all the time in the world to consume a course, Chances are you never will. Exactly. So those are the very qualitative and human-based things you've done to understand what was going on. And this is really based on people, isn't it? This is just individuals like you and me that you talk to. So that's interesting. Exactly. But then you did something a little bit more, I would say, scientific, even though it was also based on people. You did churn analysis. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about this particular thing. Um, so what we did was we uh, exported out our um, basically subscription data into Excel, uh, and in Excel we uh, we split you know split the, the subscription list into two people who uh, were members only maybe one two months and people who are still members or who cancelled after maybe four months. Uh, who had a longer uh, retention period? So, what's the difference between those? And we we based on their and some were Gmail Gmails and Yahoo's and and so on. So we couldn't really use those. So we filtered out all the free email services servers and we're left with actual business domains. And so then we for those domain names we did SEO analysis, uh, meaning that we looked at their uh, domain authority, what kind of you know how they like big sites, small sites. And then also with Clearbit, we enriched the list. And uh, Clearbit gives you data on, um, you know, revenue and who these people are. There is employment seniority level, things like this. So let me break it down right now, because once again, this is really critical. 
Uh, SEO analysis, SEO stands for search engine optimization and domain authority is a measure uh, that was uh, invented by Moz to understand how popular a website is and how influential it is. So it's ranked uh -huh. from zero to 100. And so this is interesting. So you, first of all, you looked at that and what you had Excel, you use Google spreadsheet. Did you use an extension to, to plug the domain authority or was it, uh, how did you go about it? Do you remember? To be honest, I don't remember. We might have used, we, I think we just, uh, you know, extra, re extracted the domain names from the spreadsheet, you know, using a filter in Excel. And then we put them in a bulk, um, basically exported bulk into an SEO tool. Maybe we used Ahrefs. I don't remember which one actually. Okay. Uh, we, but basically we got the, the data for each domain, um, fairly quickly. And so you had this column where you had this number of domain authority. Exactly. And then you did something quite interesting. So you use data enrichment, which is a way to pl to from one email address to actually get a lot more information about people, their role, their company they're in, their industry, the mm -hmm. size of the company. I mean, there are so many things, right? So you use Clearbit for that. What yep. information were you looking after? Uh, were you looking at in particular? Uh, so Clearbit will give you like fifty data points. We were mostly interested in the company. Well, we we didn't know what we were looking for. But quite soon, we started to see that maybe company size is one of those things. So we looked at annual revenue. Uh, also, it gives you Alexa rank. So we looked at that. Um, and uh, titles, job titles, like who these people are. Are they specialists? Are they managers? Um, and of course, with Clearbit, the job titles is, is, is like, you know, one man show says that I'm a CEO, you know. So both the CEO of Walmart and the one man show is a, is the, you know both the CEO. So it's it gets muddy, but the revenue stuff um, and combined with the domain authority made it pretty clear that more established, bigger companies were the ones that retain longer. And this is crazy. Uh, this is very good insight just from an Excel spreadsheet. So it's further away from human to human type of relationship, even though you use that to, to really understand people. Uh, so Clearbit is great. It's a great tool from, from my own experience in Hotjar. When we used it, um, you don't expect to get 100% of the data on 100% of the people. What happens most mm -hmm. of the time is you get some information to, uh, on certain things and not on all others. So you, exactly. you, you need to be, you need to have a certain amount of data to make to start making sense out of it, like like you've done, right? I mean, that is the reality of the world that we are always operating with imperfect data. Nobody ever has perfect data, even in our lives. You know, who you're gonna marry? Well, you don't have perfect data how it's gonna work out. You don't have perfect data about taking a job offer. You know, we never we're always making decisions based on imperfect data, and it was a race against the time, right? We needed to make a decision, especially once we get got closer to the point where we had one month left. Uh, so like in A-B tests, if you need to big uplift, you can't change just one small thing. You need to change a whole bunch of things. So then in this one month leading up to our running out of money, we changed a lot of things and it worked. Right, so to summarize your story, um, and especially the key points that you said are, are critical. Uh, so you did customer development, which is basically a way to understand people and what they're trying to achieve. And so you did uh, customer development interviews during onboarding to understand what people were looking for and who they were. You did constellation interviews and surveys to understand why people were leaving. And you had you added this 
customer survey at the end of each uh, when somebody uh, was trying to cancel to understand why. Um, mm-hmm. And so that product is, analytics to see what people are using, what are they not using. So you did, yeah, product analytics as well uh, as part of customer development. And then you did churn analysis mm-hmm. to understand at scale uh, the profiles of people and depending on the behavior. And you used two things. You use kind of SEO analysis to understand the, the influence of the domain. And then you use um, data enrichment to understand, you know, those email address, who they are like behind, behind this email address. And as you said at the end, which I really like, you will never be able to take a decision based on 100% perfect data. Most of the time, you will have 20% of the data that usually gives mm-hmm. you 80% of the insights. I mean, that's a Pareto law. It's it's easy for me to say that from now, but from experience, it seems like this is usually the case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's also, I mean, that is the daily life of anybody who's doing any optimization online. You're always having to do, you build your hypothesis based on some data points you have available, you know? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, outside of the resources you mentioned during this call, uh, do you have anything that you would recommend the listeners or the viewers to um, to be more human, to be closer to their customers? Could be podcasts, blog, videos, anything that you think could be helpful for them. Well, for customer development, I you know I've been uh, in the past really influenced by uh, Steve Blank, uh, Startup Owners Manual. Uh, some steps to epiphany. I don't remember how many. Four. <laughs> and um, a lean startup. Those, yeah. Uh, I would say that you should also check out uh, Commercial Excel and CXL, the blog and CXL Institute. Uh, as you mentioned, new content every two weeks is really helpful with practitioners that are experts in what they do and very niche. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, so Pep, once again, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening, my fellow human. We know how fast-paced life is. And so if you're listening to this on your daily commute, or while running, or even cooking, you can always go to hotjar.com humans and look for today's episode. That's where you'll find access to all the resources and humans we talked about, the full transcript of the conversation, and even links to related episodes. And if you liked today's episode, please help us out by leaving your honest rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The more honest feedback we get, the more we can improve the show for you, and the more this podcast will be discovered by other humans. It's a win-win situation. Until next time, take care and be human.